You're listening to the DNB Supply Radio Show, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the D&B Supply Show. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, and thank you so very, very much for being here again with us today. And hey, happy Thanksgiving to all of you. What a great time of year this is right now. And I hope you enjoyed last week's episode with Ocean Spray talking all about cranberries. I love that. And it was really fascinating to learn how they're grown, where they're grown. I had no idea that Wisconsin was the number one cranberry state but it certainly put me in a festive mood for this great holiday and and you know we're jumping right back into the cowboy world and the cowgirl world both this week and next week and i am very thankful that today i have such an incredible interview to bring you and we're going to be speaking with kurt pate of kurt pate stockmanship and we're going to be talking all about livestock handling techniques. We talk a lot about cattle, but we even talk about pigs and goats a little bit too, sheep, all sorts of stuff, horses. But uh, man, what a wealth of information Kurt is. You would do yourself, if, if you like being around and working with livestock, go to his website and watch some of these videos. Pretty amazing stuff he's able to do. And then watch some of the videos where he's teaching people about handling livestock. Really, really good information as is a person who, in comparison to Kurt, is definitely still a novice, but really enjoys working with and moving livestock. I can tell you that the little things I've been able to pick up over the years, he reinforces in his videos and really has already improved me on by by looking at those and watching those. So definitely do yourself a favor and do that. But we've got a full interview today with Kurt with tons of great information all about moving your livestock. And then next week, we're right back into the Miss Rodeo America time of year. Sydney Butler, the current Miss Rodeo of Idaho, will be on the show. And we'll be talking all about the pageant that's starting on December 1st for Miss Rodeo America and everything that she has done to prepare for that and all of the great competitors that are out there. So this is a great time doing this show. Love having you here with us. Thank you so very much for being here again and really hope you enjoy today's show. And everybody, I went very, very long with Kurt Pate. There was just so many questions to ask him and and so much I wanted to know. And if you like working with livestock and you like having livestock around and it's something that you do for a living and you're trying to get better at it, you need to go over to the D&B Supply Show podcast for the rest of this interview. You can find that on iTunes. You can also find that on SoundCloud. And there is a lot more content over there this week for you. Do yourself a favor and check that out as well and enjoy the show. And everybody, I went very, very long with Kurt Pate. There was just so many questions to ask him and and so much I wanted to know. And if you like working with livestock and you like having livestock around and it's something that you do for a living and you're trying to get better at it, you need to go over to the D&B Supply Show podcast for the rest of this interview. You can find that on iTunes. You can also find that on SoundCloud. And there is a lot more content over there this week for you. Do yourself a favor and check that out as well and enjoy the show. Kurt, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm glad to be a part of it. Well, I tell you what, I am really looking forward to this interview. And before I do any interviews, I always prepare questions and kind of jot down things I want to talk about. And here I'm looking at the multiple sheets of questions I've got for you. I'm a little scared of this interview. I might just go on forever. <laughs> well, I have a different approach. When I, Whenever I am interviewed, I never try to know any of the questions or what's going to happen. So I have kind of a spontaneous answer. And I think that's a I think both approaches are good. <laughs> All right. Well, this will work out great then. 
Well, I'd like to start off by just asking you if you would really quick, just kind of tell our audience where you're at, uh, where you live, and just a little introduction to yourself for us, Kurt. Sure. I live in Rygate, Montana, which is uh, just about 60 miles northwest of Billings. And uh, it's, a, it's a great little community. And uh, I have a little irrigated place here, not a big place. And I, I graze cattle and do some stuff, just enough to keep me occupied when I'm home so I can think and work on things to improve what I do out on the road. And a lot of people listening might not know where Rygate is, but I do. I went to college up there in Bozeman. So uh, I've been through your area, your neck of the woods. I like it. Now, you're on the road quite a bit. What is it you do traveling around? Why are you on the road so much? Well, my occupation is, I'm not really what I would call it, uh, a little humor. My dad, he doesn't know how to tell people what I'm doing. So he <laughs> says, my son teaches people to be nice to their cattle <laughs> so they can kill them and eat them. So what I really do is, I, I do several different things. Last week, I was at a, a large feed yard consulting with their pen riders. And so I just get a horseback and ride with them or ship cattle or process and, you know, spend those 14-hour days with those guys. Mm -hmm. And so it's actual work. And then sometimes I do demonstrations where I go and there's an audience and I or several of us work cattle and explain ways to maybe put pressure on in a more appropriate way or tell people how to put pressure on in a more appropriate way. Maybe their crews or something. So, mm -hmm. and then uh, I, I do a lot of ranch consulting and things like that. But I, I really like to get in the work. I mean, the demonstrations are two hours, mm -hmm. and they're easy and quick. But those fourteen-hour days—that's where it really makes some big differences. Really? Okay. Now, I've been perusing your, your website, your blog, and really kind of digging into that and going through it. And I wanted to ask you about this. There is a trend right now, and I think it's uh, since the 1950s, it's really about the second time we've seen this, where we've got a lot of people who are going into farming, a lot of people that are raising livestock for the first time and, and want to be a part of that on a smaller scale. Are you seeing some crossover? Are you doing some training and some teaching uh, on the smaller scale as well, or is it all in the feedlots and the larger ranches? Nope, a lot of small-scale stuff, and I, that, I really, you know, a lot of the things I do at the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, uh, a lot of those folks are kind of newbies. They're coming into the business. Mm -hmm. And so you'll get a lot of those small starters or young people, and that's going to be the future. And I, I actually hope there is a trend of smaller operations along with the larger operations to keep the balance. There's, you know, there's so many markets out there that we have with all livestock we need to not just get mega big. We need to not be mega small. There has to be a combination of everything. And the thing I like about my job, it doesn't matter what size you are, what operation you are. You can be organic or the most, you know, modern production system in the world. And stockmanship always plays a big part in it. Well, along those lines, I pulled a couple quotes off of your website. And I want to read this first one and ask you about it. And I, I really like this quote. As a matter of fact, I want to steal it, but I'll always give you credit for it. But uh, it says, working with Mother Nature and animals is good for the body and soul. I feel sorry for people that don't get to be part of it. I think that, I love that quote. Why do you feel that way? Yeah, I really feel sorry for kids that don't get to be a part of it. If, uh, you know, you or me or your listeners, you think about when you're, your childhood working with livestock, there are so many things that we learned from that, from death, from life, all the parts of it, leaving the gate open and having your horse get in and eat oats all night and then have to work with it all day. All those things when you work with livestock, those are all living experiences. 
experiences and all the joys and the sorrows that that makes humans human. Now, uh, I'm going to follow it right up with another quote you've got on your site that I really liked, but I want you to explain it because I think it goes hand in hand with what you're talking about. Uh, you said the world has changed in the way we need to work stock. Why is that? And, and I'm sure this gets right to the heart of what you do. Yeah, it hasn't changed for the livestock. Uh, you know, I've been reading the Bible quite a bit this year, and uh, just I do that about every few years, and they've been working livestock for a long time. And I think the same pressure applied in the days of biblical times, what I'm reading about, and right now. The cattle haven't changed that much. Mm-hmm. The sheep, whatever we're working with. But the world, the human world really has. And so now we have so much more opinions about livestock and how they should be treated. We have so much more communication where people can see and know what we're doing. And uh, we also have all this internet and radio and all these things that people could discuss it and change somebody's mind without many facts. So we got to be more strict with ourselves than we ever have been. I know exactly what you're saying, and I think you're exactly right. Uh, there's so much out there, so much information, and uh, not that anybody ever wanted to purposely do anything other people wouldn't like, but now we are kind of under a microscope. Yeah, and we all have different opinions of what is right and wrong, even in the livestock industry. I mean, I don't try to change anybody. I just try to get them looking at things and help them to change themselves. And some of these guys that I work with or some people that are involved in livestock, they don't have much feel from what I feel like <laughs> feel is, but they think they're doing just the right thing. Mm-hmm. So it's all an opinion, and really the law and our customers are what's going to determine what's right and wrong. Yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right. In the end, that is, that's what's going to make it. Uh, let's take a quick commercial break. When we come back, let's get into what you do more specifically and start talking about livestock handling. Does that sound okay? Perfect. At D&B Supply, you'll really take a shine to Montana Silversmith's jewelry and buckles, especially during the November sale from the 21st to the 26th, when you can take at least 20% off any piece and save even more on select collections. Montana Silversmiths makes hand-carved jewelry and buckles that capture the spirit, beauty, and drama of the West. All engraved in silver. Get that Western-style bling and stop by D&B from November 21st to the 26th. Say you were to ride off into the sunset. Ideally, what kind of boots and clothes would you be wearing? For horseback riders of all styles, nothing beats the look and performance of Ariat. Available at DMB Supply. Everyone from famous rodeo cowboys to country music legends to equestrian Olympians. Turn to Ariat with confidence. You can count on them too. Think of Ariat as your ultimate riding companion for the life and times in the West. When you need to better outfit your ride with Ariat, stop by your favorite DMB Supply. All right, Kurt. Well, now that we're back, I, I wanted to ask you as I was going through your website, you mentioned talking to all sorts of people involved in livestock throughout your life even up into including hog farmers. Do you actually deal with people that are trying to work with, with animals like pigs? Yeah, a little bit. Not, I haven't much. I'd really like to because uh, when I was in high school, my stepfather and my mother, we had a 90-sal feral-to-finish hog operation. Mm-hmm. And I, I really liked that a lot. I, I enjoyed it a lot. We had a slaughterhouse. We had a hog operation. We had all kinds of different things. But the pigs, 
I really liked him. I, I kind of took care of them for some reason. Well, let's start at the start when it comes to handling livestock correctly. And let's talk about, I guess, the reasons behind it. You talked about earlier a little bit about public perception and, and the way that consumers are going to drive our practices. Uh, you also mentioned on your website the economic benefits of handling stock correctly. What do you mean by that? How do we get those economic benefits? That is the thing that I think the industry, the beef industry, can do to help us more than anything else because really I hear a lot of talks and a lot of uh, presentations and nobody can really prove the dollar value of stockmanship because first of all there are so many different styles and different approaches of stockmanship and what people think animals are stressed or not stressed. There was a research uh, facility at one of the large feed yards I used to work for and they they did a study on acclimating cattle, which means getting them settled and doing some work with them in the pen and exercising cattle. And they said it had no benefit. And I said, well, who, who was in charge of working the cattle? I mean, it could have been the cattle might have been more stressed by the way they were working them. So, so you see, it's so hard to judge the true – in a dairy barn, you can, you can tell the milk uh, tank level change every day. Mm-hmm. And you can tell if the radio is bothering them or not. But with cattle handling in a ranch situation or a feedlot situation or even an organic situation, a grass-fed situation, you know, the environment is so different every day and people. And so it's so hard to put science to work with stockmanship. So we got to look at common sense then. And common sense just shows that when animals <laughs> put their head down and eat and chew their cud, they're gaining weight or getting bred. Mm-hmm. When they're stirred up and they got their head up and, and, and afraid of things, that's a negative. And, and uh, my family's been in the, my daughter and my wife mainly have been in the buck and bull business a lot mm-hmm. uh, the last 10, 15 years. And I've really observed those real sensitive cows that are real aware of everything around them. And they don't eat near as much as animals that are real lethargic and gentle because they don't put their head down for very long. They'll put their head down, get a bite of grass, and they pick their head up and look. Yeah. And I've noticed that makes a big difference with animals. So that's just common sense. When an animal is comfortable to put their head down and graze and eat or lay down and chew their cud, they're going to do better. The other side of that is uh, when cattle are handled and bruising or, you know, injuries, those are simple things that we can prove and, and make sure that people, that costs the industry and people a lot of money. Yeah. Is that when it comes out like the grading of meat and things like that when they get into the, the facility for butchering? Yeah, I don't know how much they say bruising costs this industry hmm. a year. But uh, I, I think uh, the thing we really got to look at with stockmanship is, you know, people, a lot of times people, when they're weaning calves or whatever, they think about death loss. But death loss is, if we really understood how much weight loss mm-hmm. we had through stress in animals, whether it be through nutrition or commingling or people stress, I just don't know how much we could increase our profits if we really get these animals to working for us without fear and content to be where they're at and just wanting to eat. Let's take another quick break. When we come back, I want to ask you all about letting your livestock get to know you. Tailgating season's here, and D&B Supplies got just the generator to run your stuff. The Honda EU2000. Uh, The EU2000 is excellent for tailgating because it's super quiet. So generally, you're in a parking lot with a lot of other people. They get irritated if you've got a real loud generator. So that's one of the biggest things. 
And then of course you can fill the tank up and generally it's gonna last all the time that you're out there tailgating. The Honda EU2000, available at D&B Supply. Want to get rid of those pesky house guests with no mess, no fuss, and no touching? We're talking about mice, folks, not your holiday visitors. And D&B Supply makes it easy with Grandpa Gus mouse repellent pouches to keep them away. Made and tested by farmers, Grandpa Gus mouse repellent pouches are a non-lethal way to send those rodents running. Safe for pets and kids, its fresh scent instantly repels mice and absorbs pesky odors, too. So better make tracks to pick up some today, only at your favorite D&B Supply. Okay, Kurt. Well, at, at one point I, in a, one of your videos I was watching, you were talking to a group of people and you talked about letting your livestock get to know you. I think you even, you kind of paraphrase like a handshake with your cattle or something like that. I wanted to ask you about this concept. Uh, when you talk about that, are you talking about the first time you go out to work a cow or is this over time? Every time you work the animal. Okay. So a lot of my cattle handling stuff really comes from the horse world. And I made my living for probably 15 years starting colts in public demonstrations. Mm -hmm. So I would go into wherever, and uh, they'd have it bring a colt. Some of them were halter broke, some of them weren't. Most of them were pretty good. And in two hours, I'm supposed to be riding that horse and doing stuff. And that was a great thing. I really learned a lot. But then, so then I started learning about maybe different approaches at cattle handling. And I, so I tied those two together. And so what I think about a lot when I'm interacting with livestock is the same thing I'd get a use in getting a colt ready to touch him the first time. And that is just stopping the front feet and getting them to stay in place and have the animal not be afraid and want to leave, but stay there. Mm -hmm. So I call it hooking a horse on, or that's what the term is in the horse world. But I kind of, what I try to do when I first meet up with a bunch of cattle in a demonstration or in a feedlot pen or my own cattle when I come home, is I try to hook them on, draw their mind to me, and get them to stop their front feet. And that's the first spot I always go. And if you can do that, then you've got the mind of the animal and his body under control. And then you can start using pressure to turn those animals away from you or bring them to you or whatever you want to do. But that's always the base. So that, to me, is what I call introducing yourself to cattle or hooking them on or whatever you'd want to call it. Mm -hmm. To go on with your question, yeah. though, but every time, so every time you work with animals, it's just like your relationship with people. You're either making it worse or you're making it better. Mm -hmm. And so every time we work with animals, we've got to analyze and see where we're at with them and what we need to do to make that relationship, if that's what you want to call it, or their understanding of you or whatever you want to call it. Keep it as good as it is or even get it better. You've got a video out there where you're loading bulls into a trailer. You don't have a chute. You don't have a runway. The trailer gate is basically just parallel with the fence line, and you're able to get them in there. Does that something you can do right off the bat, or does that take practice over time to get those bulls to do that? You know, that is one of the best things that anybody can do to improve their stockmanship because you have to learn how to pressure animals properly from the right angle to get them to step in there. And the best way to do it is not against a fence, but right out in the middle of the pasture. And bulls are the easiest to do it with because they, and they, they'll prove to us that they don't want our pressure. They want the right kind of pressure. Bulls do more than anything else because they're big and they're, they're, uh, it's hard for them to move and they don't bend much. So when you get it behind a bull, he, doesn't, he wants to see it, but he's so thick and tight he can't turn around, so it aggravates him. And that's why they either go get in the brush or they get on the fight. Mm -hmm. So if you show them, I, I just pretend that the trailer is the brush and just uh, let them go climb in that where they're getting out of my pressure. But uh, I, uh, oh, many years ago, I had a great ranch job 
at Sieben Ranch Company. And uh, we had a stack of Western horsemen in there in the cookhouse about 10 feet tall. <laughs> had all the Western horsemen that came. Anyway, there's an article in there about loading cattle in a trailer out in the open. Mm-hmm. By, it was by Brian Newbert and Joe Walter. And I read that, and I had a great boss, Clark Atkinson. And I said, I want to try this. And he says, go ahead. It'll, it'll make us money. Go ahead and just do it. Mm-hmm. So it took me a long time to get it figured out the first few times. And then once I got it figured out, man, I could load anything anywhere. And I had the confidence to do it. So it's a great way to learn. I think that was one of the best learning tools for my stockmanship of anything I've ever done. I've got to take another commercial break. When we come back, I've got more for you in this, okay? All right, thanks. Carhartt is legendary for getting you geared up for anything. And right now at D&B Supply, Carhartt's entire full swing collection is 25% off during the D&B sale from November 21st through the 26th. Tough, water repellent, and made for a range of motion, full swing clothing lets you move like you mean it with Carhartt's rugged flex technology. So swing on by your favorite D&B Supply for savings on Carhartt, November 21st through the 26th. Howdy, neighbor. Why are you throwing out your snow shovel? Oh, because I threw out my back last winter. I'm picking up a Husqvarna snow thrower at DMB Supply instead. Don't you mean snow blower? Oh, potato, potato. Actually, a snow blower is bigger, more powerful, and shoots snow farther out than a thrower, especially a Husqvarna. You're blowing my mind. Hey, you telling me this so you can borrow mine? Nah, buddy. I'm headed over to DMB to get a Husqvarna, too. I'm right behind you. Let's blow. All right, Kurt. Well, you mentioned the angle or the the approach and the pressure here in the last segment. I wanted to ask you about that. Uh, what is the right angle of approach, if you will, when you're trying to move cattle? That's always changing. The cattle, you've got to learn to read the cattle and figure out what they are telling you to do. Okay. And so for me, one of the best things I've done is I have moved my pressure just like uh, – I don't know if some of you, your listeners know about Beef Quality Assurance, but it's a big program mm-hmm. that the beef industry has. And uh, it's mainly what we focused on at first was moving the shots from the behind, the hindquarters, to the neck. And I think if we do the same thing with our pressure when we're working cattle, if we're driving them, if we move our pressure from the tail to the right behind the ear and start working your animal's nose instead of his tail, you're going to be a lot better off. And so that will really change your angle and the amount of pressure you're using. Then you're kind of pulling the animal along rather than pushing him along. And so then, then when, so if the animal will tell you, if you want him to go straight and you put pressure on him, he turns and looks at you. He's telling you you're too far back and your angle is too steep. Mm-hmm. If he turns his head away from you, he's telling you too far forward and your angle is too flat. So you're always watching that head and wherever direction you want it to go, you're trying to point that nose or that eye by your angle and your, your position to get him to go where you want him to go. And you can really start controlling an animal that way. And that's the big change. So what we all, you know, we all grow up and we think we're just back behind pushing animals. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like trying to drive your car from the back bumper without having a hold of the steering wheel. So we need to figure out how to drive the, have the gas pedal going and steering the animal at the same time. And that's what our angles and our presence or our amount of pressure does. Now, this is something I, you and I can talk about it all day. People can read up on it and do all this type of stuff. But to to read cattle, to read the body language of your animals, uh, really, it, it takes time being out there with those animals to kind of get that intuitive sense of it, I would think. Yeah, and I, I think people go about it maybe wrong. They, they look at the wrong things, but 
what you want to do is look at the right things, figure out what you want, just like your grazing program. You know, I'm sure you understand the triangle to see if they're full or not. Mm-hmm. There's a triangle right, right in front of the hips that if the animal's empty, he, he's not getting enough to eat, and there'll be mm-hmm. a little triangle right there. Yep. And if he's getting enough to eat, and that's a, that's a good way just to read your animal. And you need to know what an animal that's full and content looks like as much as you need to one that looks like worried or whatever, and then just try to get them all the same. Uh, when I'm riding pens in a feedlot or out in a pasture going to look at yearlings or in my grazing cells, it's easy to pick out the crippled cattle because they'll, they'll show you. You can tell that. If you learn how to read what a healthy animal looks right. like, you can be a mile away from them and say, oh, I think that thing might be lame. And so when you learn what the good things look like, then the bad ones become easy to pick out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, so, I think- and the same thing with our movement of our animals. When the animals are moving out of a corral content and easy after they got a drink of water, mm-hmm. well, that's easy to see. And when we're trying to move cattle out of our grazing cell or move them to the next cell, that's the way they should look as if they were doing it on their own. All right. Well, one more commercial break. When we come back, i got some more specifics to ask you about, okay? Very good. For work, play, or a little bit of both this winter, stop by D&B Supply for Wrangler gear. From flannel line jeans to stylish shirts and jackets, fit for the field or a night out, Wrangler has you covered. Established in 1947 with the spirit of courageous individuality, Wrangler apparel is designed to last and look good to boot. With new styles and great fits, it's clothing that wears well no matter what the season or what life throws at it. So stop by your favorite D&B and get covered this winter in Wrangler gear. Things are heating up around here at D&B. You'll see why when you check out our wide selection of high-performance stoves from Harman, Quadrifire, and Heatalator EcoChoice. These classic pellet and wood-burning stoves light up your hearth and home. They give you even heat and easy maintenance with craftsmanship that stands the test of time and really stands out. So swing on by D&B Supply and see how Harman, Quadrifire, and Heatalator EcoChoice stoves can warm up your home. Well, Kurt, I want to ask about some other techniques, I guess. And I like what you said about the intensity. I think I probably come across as pretty intense. Uh, so I guess I've learned over time how to how to temper that and how I move cattle and, and animals and things like that. But I'm, I'm certainly not a professional at it quite yet. I probably never will be. But I wanted to ask you about using things like fence lines. Uh, is this something that you recommend, uh, especially if you're working them by yourself? Sure. Yeah, that's uh, – and again, when you when you add a fence line in – they're not going to be the same as when you're out in the middle of the pasture. So you've got to change your angle, your intensity, and your approach. And it's easy to keep the head straight because you have, that way, when you're driving up a fence line or something like that, you have an easier way of keeping the head straight and going where you want them to go. But uh, the thing we don't understand sometimes is how much more pressure an animal feels from the human when he has that loss ability to turn and run away from you the other direction mm-hmm. so we uh, we could be stressing animals quite a bit more without even realizing it by having them on the fence line now for those of us who occasionally have to have friends or family or somebody come over to help us and so we've got people on our farm that have not they're not there all the time the cattle the the sheep or the goats or whoever doesn't doesn't know them is not familiar with them but we need their help loading or moving for one reason or another do you, uh, in that situation, do you have some sort of, a, I guess, a pre-herding talk with these people that are coming on to help you about uh, how to handle your livestock? Yeah, it's, uh, first of all, you're, <laughs> it'd be nice to have a talk with your livestock because they're <laughs> used to you and your pressure, and uh, they're used to everything you're doing, and you've done this where they really appreciate you, and then all of a sudden you change that, 
and you increase that tenfold or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's good. I think it's a good thing to bring other people in. I would just have a visit and say, you know, this is not, I like John Wayne, but we're not going to do things quite exactly like they do in the movies. Although John Wayne always promoted pretty good stockmanship, actually. But, uh, so, and have a visit and just say, you know, maybe if you just stay with me and then let me point out to where to be. Mm-hmm. And you kind of be in control of the deal. Uh, what happens is, you know, people are trying to do the right thing, they make big moves or too fast or they don't understand. And then it causes the cat to get their head up and a little blurred and... And then we even get more bothered, the human does. So yeah. if you can just try to keep control of the situation. Well, uh, one last question about tools. I noticed in some of your videos you're you're holding a rod with a flag on the end. I've seen some rods that have like these rattlers on the end. What are the purposes of those, and, and when do you recommend using stuff like that? Yeah, I'm not I, – I use them sometimes, but I when at home or whatever, I hardly ever use a flag or a rattle paddle. I surely don't use a rattle paddle. And the reason I don't like a rattle paddle is too heavy, and uh, it, you can't release quick. Like the flag, you can be – it's almost like adding one more person to your crew. Mm-hmm. If you're just working by yourself and you're working an alley or something, you can you can stick it out there and stop an animal, or you can get it up above your head. It just adds a little bit of pressure that maybe we couldn't get all the time where we needed to be. So it's a great tool if you use it right, and it's a terrible tool if you use it wrong. Just just like just like a hot shot. I mean, a hot shot. I don't think this world would be as humane if we didn't have hot shots. Mm-hmm. But it's a real inhumane world because we do have hot shots, and it's not the hot shots' fault. It's the people that use the hot shots yeah. and how they use them. Yeah. So whatever we do, I, I, you know, even talking to animals, if you do it wrong, if you yell at animals, it'll make them scared or not work as good. And if you talk to animals, it might make them the best animals in the world. So it's all how you use all these tools. Well, Kurt, this was awesome. I, I learned a ton. I could keep going and going and going, but I'm already so far over time that uh, <laughs> I, I got to save the rest for another day. But thank you so very much for taking the time today. I really do appreciate it. Let's do it again. Thank you all for joining us today. And here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle, however you define it. For the DNB Show, I'm Matt Breckwald.